Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are glad to be here this morning. We thank you for such grace that got us through the night and woke us up and gave us a nice cold morning. And yet you've provided the means for us to get here and to have this place, this building, these lights, this warmth. We are thankful. We've come to love Sundays. We ask today, Father, that you would do a great work in us that You would convict us of our sins and increase our faith. That You would cause us to see Your Word as true and mighty and for it to be changing us. We ask Your blessing upon our service now and the preaching of the Word and us that hear it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you if you will to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. You can use the Pew Bible there in front of you. It'll be page 959. 959 in the Pew Bible there in front of you, Luke chapter 12. Before we get started, I want to turn your attention to the bulletin insert. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. A day in which we as a church want to recognize that abortion is wrong. And that life, every form of life in the womb, in a mother, is a gift from God. Yeah, this is... I think I could be loud enough without this. What about now? Okay. But I want to come at this with a very, very serious heart. You don't hear me talk about this much because I'm so concerned about how hearers receive it. And those of y'all that know me well know that I'm, I'm ultra concerned about how we are perceived. Uh, not only those who know us, but those who don't know us. I believe in my whole heart that God gives children I know too many families who have wanted to have kids and have not been able to. I know too many people who don't want to get pregnant, and they do. They are a gift from God. And I want you to understand that us taking the life of that child is not for us to do. But I understand also, and I want you to as well, that there are many people who have had abortions, and you ought to never, ever be the one to look down upon them. For as much as I want to raise awareness today to Sanctity of Human Life Sunday and to the fact that abortion is wrong, I also want to be encouraging and exhorting our church, you all, to be sensitive to those who have. Okay, we need to understand that they are no different from us and no worse than us, and all of us have made 
decisions in our past that we are not uh, proud of. And so the church, above everybody else, should be those who welcome and understand and sympathize and care for people who have had abortions. I have some very dear people to me, people that I love, people who are friends. I have family members who are very precious to me who have had an abortion. Christian people ought not to be pointing the finger or condemning those. We must be people who welcome and love and yet are able to, with very heavy hearts, speak the truth in love while, and this is in our church mission statement, loving and serving those people. With that said, I want to remind you that the Bible teaches us God makes life. If you look in your bulletin insert, you have here this little yellow paper that's put out by Southern Baptist Convention, ERLC. On the back, you can read that. It's, it's how to cultivate a pro-life culture in your church. Five ways for you to be more mindful of what it means to be pro-life. I want to give you just a couple thoughts to put it into perspective. In the Revolutionary War... There were 4,000 Americans killed, a little bit over 4,000. In the War of 1812, there were a little over 2,000. In the Civil War, both sides of the Civil War, there were 500,000 killed, by far the most ever in a war for us. In the World War I, there were 116,000 Americans killed. In World War II, the second most, which is very close to many of you who are older, we had over 407,000 Americans killed. In the Korean War, which some of you served in, we had 25,000 Americans killed. In the Vietnam War, which some of you served in, we had 58,000 Americans killed. In the Persian Gulf War, we had around 2,000 killed. And for you young people, that's even been during your lifetime. And now, currently, in our global war on terror, we have had nearly 7,000 killed. In the World Trade Center attacks of September 11th in 2001, that massive tragedy for our country, there were less than 3,000 killed. If you add up all of those, and there are a few smaller ones that I didn't mention, you get to a little bit over 1 million Americans killed through wars. 1.1, 1.2 million. That is a lot. That is tragic. It is true to say that many Americans have lost their lives for our freedom, and we ought to take that very seriously. With that said... Only since 1973, 58 million babies have been killed. 58 times as many people combined through every war for our country. 58 times. That's a lot of death. 
me tell you one more stat that just hits home. In 2015, 92% of all mothers that find out in pregnancy that their baby has Down syndrome choose to abort it. 92%. Which caused the New York Post to write an article just a few years ago when the testing came out that you can find out if your baby has Down syndrome in the womb. The New York Post wrote an article called The End of Down Syndrome. Which you and I know means Down syndrome has not ended. Us dealing with people with Down syndrome is what is trying to end. And I love you all a lot, but some of the people that I love the most in the world are those with Down syndrome that I know well and call dear. If you're in here today and you've had an abortion, you are no worse than me. And the Bible says clearly that God loves you and God forgives and you have a support system here if you wanted to open up to us with that. And I assure you that this man, and I hope this church, does not look down upon you. And I mean that with all sincerity. But as much as we are able moving forward, we ought to care about this issue. And we ought to work hard to try to see less and less abortions happen. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we know that your word says you create life. We know several passages where you speak about how you worked the life in the womb. You are the author of life. And I pray, God, that you would make us people of conviction that you would not allow us to be judgmental or hateful or holier than thou or anything puffed up. That we would be caring and understanding. And I ask God that you would use us to cut down on abortions. We pray, God, that it would end. We pray, God, that there would be more people with Down syndrome in our lives and in our world and around us. And we pray, Father, that you would continue to use us as individuals and as a church to raise awareness to this, both in comforting those who've had an abortion and in trying to keep people who are pregnant from having one. Oh, Lord, give us grace in this effort. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Luke chapter 12, we're going to start reading in verse 35. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open up the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. 
Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third watch and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. There are some passages in the Scripture that just create in us a heavier sense of urgency. My prayer this week, and has been really since the start of 2016, is that God would give this church, First Baptist Fairdale, you all as individuals, a greater sense of urgency. I would like for our church to be an intense church, not so that that's one of our characteristics, but because it is the lifeline of the Lord Jesus. It is the heartbeat of the Word of God, that life matters, that life is short, that Christ is the only hope and the Savior. Oh, that we would have a sense of urgency. One of the ways that the Bible creates in us a sense of urgency, one of the ways is by the teaching of Jesus that he is coming back. I've said this before. In our day, the way we talk about an urgency at all is, what if you were to die? If you were to die tonight, do you know where you're going? That sort of thing. And that certainly does create a sense of urgency. But the Bible teaches us that an urgency is also found in the truth that Christ will return. I showed you this last week from the book of Acts in Acts chapter 1, that in the same way the Lord Jesus ascended up into heaven, he will come back through the sky, through the clouds. And if you don't believe the word of God, you may doubt that, and so there is no urgency in your life, neither for you to be right with God or for anyone else. But for those who do believe the word of God are concerned and mindful, even watchful, that the sky might open up before lunch today. And if so, will we be ready? This is what Jesus teaches. This is what he's teaching here. I want to ask you if you are ready. And I am not, and I hope this comes out through the rest of our time today, I'm not asking you if sometime in the past you've done something that made you think you are ready. I am asking you if right now, today, you are ready. Because Jesus' teaching concerns us to the point of being ready can only mean I'm ready right now. That's why he talks about the thief coming in the night. I want to open up with this story about not being ready. It was December of 2007. Val was in her ninth month of pregnancy. Little Joshua Jr. was about to be here. We had never had a child before, and we were stressed out, overwhelmed. I didn't know what to expect. I was still working nights at UPS. And Val, which is normal, asked me to go to Walmart late at night. So I traveled down here on Manslick, New Cut, just to head to the Walmart. I got what I needed, and I was coming back. And I was probably on the phone or doing something that didn't have me paying attention. And right at the last second, as I was driving back this way, kind of in front of the, like, uh, 
value hotel thing right there, I noticed that there was a car stopped right in front of me. They didn't have their lights on, didn't have their brake lights on, completely dead car, no lights at all. And they were right from under the overpass. It was dark, it wasn't well lit, I couldn't see. And at the very last second when I looked up, I saw this dead car sitting there, and I was able to just swerve out of the way at the last minute. It scared me to death. As I got around the car, I looked over, and I noticed there's somebody sitting in that car, which, which concerned me, bothered me, scared me a little bit. The car was pitch black, no lights on at all, and there's somebody sitting in there. So being somebody that wants to make a difference, I pulled over, got my car way up out of the way, and started walking back. I thought, what is going on? Did the person in there die? Did they have a heart attack? Are they passed out? What is happening? This car's sitting in the dark. So I started walking, and I was walking up down the shoulder of the road, getting close to the overpass. That's where people uh, get onto the Gene Snyder. So it's a little hectic area right there. And as I started coming, I realized that there is somebody in there, and, and they're awake. They're, they're, they're scared. It was a lady, probably about my age. I felt concerned for her. So I started to walk toward her. As soon as I took a step into the road, she starts to get out of the car, which I don't know if that was a good move or not. She gets out of the car and she's crying and she starts walking toward the front of the car like she's going to come in front of her car to meet me. And she's crying and she's holding her cell phone. And at that very second that she got to the corner of the front of her car, going about 55 miles per hour, a drunk driver comes right behind her and smashes full speed into her car. He couldn't see it. He was drunk. I couldn't see it and I was awake. He hits her car so hard that she's standing in the front of it that it just blasts her and literally catapults her across the road. I'm about from here to Micah from the whole thing. Thankfully, neither car hit me. I saw it right there. Her cell phone goes flying. I'm kind of freaking out like, what in the world? As soon as I get over there to start talking to her, she's screaming, my legs, my legs, my legs. It made me think that her head and everything was okay. Her cell phone is ringing. She says, it's got to be my sister. Please answer it. I answer it. I tell her what happened. Please hurry up and get here. Within seconds, I called 911. The ambulance gets there. The drunk driver's in big-time trouble. He was scared to death. I was not ready for that situation. I was not ready for the car accident. I was not ready for dealing with somebody who maybe passed away from that accident. I was not ready for any of it. And it scared me, and I've never forgotten it. I still think about it. I don't know the lady's name. I don't know if she survived. The police took all of my information, but I never got a call back, so I don't know what happened. That was 2007. This is 2016. But still to this day, every time I see a broken down car or a car that's stopped in traffic, I think about, okay, be careful. Be careful. You don't know what might happen. I live mindful around stopped cars now in traffic. Jesus so wants you and I to be careful with how we live. To be thoughtful mindful and aware of who we are, how we're living, what we're like, what does God think, and are we right with Him? Jesus wants you to be critically in tune with are you ready to meet God? 
It's intense. There's an urgency. Let's walk through this passage. Jesus begins by saying, stay dressed for action. Stay dressed for action. In other words, Jesus is saying, you better be ready. Stay dressed for action means have yourself in position to be ready when called upon. I don't know if you saw the football game last night, the wild Green Bay Packers and Arizona Cardinals game, but the wide receiver that caught the Hail Mary pass from Aaron Rodgers, I believe his last name was Janice, they said that on the season he had only caught two passes. In 16 games, he caught two passes. Last night he caught seven. And one was a Hail Mary with no time on the clock to send it to overtime. All season long, he had kept himself ready. In older versions of the Bible, this says, gird up your loins. Y'all have heard that phrase before. Gird up your loins means, and I don't have a microphone, so you have to listen. Gird up your loins means you've got this dress apron overcoat thing on that you can't really move in it because it's not comfortable for running. But when the time comes, you just hitch that bad boy up and you take off. That's what it's saying. Jesus says, gird up your loins, pull it up, get ready. You ever seen a man sit down and he pulls his slacks like that for him to sit down? Pull them up. That's what Jesus is saying. Stay dressed for action. Jesus wants us to realize that it is the realest of real truths in the Scripture that any day you may stand before God. Any minute. Either you could pass away and might not make it till this afternoon, or Jesus could come back. But the Bible gives us two great warnings that that could happen, and the only security for you is that you be ready for it. Stay dressed for action. Then he gives another example. Keep your lamps burning. He gives the picture of the person that stays awake at night with their lamp because something may happen. I want to ask you if you are that ready. You're dressed for action. You're that ready. You've, le you've left the light on at night so that you do not miss it. Obviously, those are metaphors. Those are analogies. You don't have to keep your light on at night to make sure you're going to meet Jesus when he comes back. But in your heart is the light on. In your heart, heart are your loins girded up. Are you dressed for action? Are you ready to meet the Lord Jesus? Then he gives this little example. He says, verse 36, Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. In other words, when the master comes home from the wedding feast, he's expecting people to be up and waiting for him. And when he comes and he knocks on the door, he's expecting the servants to be right there waiting on them. It's kind of like when we know that we have our, our, our parents coming up to visit us from North Carolina and the kids know they're coming. We know they've still got five hours left in the trip, but that doesn't stop Carolina from still looking out the window. I wonder if they're here. Our mama and papa all here because they, they said they're coming. We said, well, they still got five more hours to go. They're hardly in the state of Kentucky yet. But she's ready for them to get there. This is what Jesus is saying. Even though you don't know when it's going to be, you don't know when the master's coming home from the wedding, he expects you to be there at the door waiting for the master to come home from the wedding. So that whenever he does not, whether it's in 15 minutes or whether it's in 15 years, you're there. And as soon as he comes, you open it up. That's what he's saying. I wonder if any of you have ever heard of Wally Pip before. I'd imagine that some of the high school athletes would. Wally Pip. I'd never heard of him. 
He may be the only baseball player famous for sitting the bench. As his story goes, Wally Pipp was the New York Yankees' longtime first baseman. I love this story. And on June the 2nd of 1925, so a long time ago, I don't know if any of y'all watched him, he called in sick that day with a headache. The Yankees' manager in 1925 was Miller Huggins, and Miller told Pip, take an aspirin and get here. He said, nah, I really got a headache. I'm going to sit this one out. It's just one game. I'll miss it. Yankees manager Miller Higgins rested Pip, called on a fresh new talent. That fresh talent was a little-known slugger named Lou Gehrig. The iron horse Lou Gehrig tore it up that game and for the next 14 years never missed a game. Wally Pip lost his job, lost the New York Yankees pinstripes, and never started a baseball game ever again. He wasn't ready. Lou Gehrig was ready. It makes sense in sports. Many bench riders are called upon and they step up to the occasion. Many aren't ready and about as soon as they get in the game, they're pulled back out and they don't go back in. Jesus, in the word of God, tells us this idea, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Look at verse 37. He says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. In your bulletin, I titled this sermon, Wide Awake. If Jesus is so urging us and imploring us to be ready when he comes, and he gives the analogy of sleeping through the night and not being ready, and he urges us to be awake, then you and I should take it like wide awake. Blessed are the servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Now I want to show you something. Look at what Jesus says here. You know that the, the, the main character in this analogy is Jesus. Although he's speaking about it like it's not him, it is him. He's the one that is coming. Look at what he says here in verse 37. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service. And will have them recline at table. And he will come and serve them. So often in this passage, we miss it. We miss the gospel of our great God and Savior in this passage. Because when you hear, gird up your loins and stay dressed for action, your initial thought is, I need to do more. I need to work harder. I need to be better. And yet that is not the command of Scripture ever for you to be sure of your salvation. You reading the Bible more, praying more, and being here more makes you no more certain of heaven than anybody else. Verse 37 says that when that master does arrive home and you're ready for him, he will come in, change his outfit, be dressed for service, he will sit you down at the table, and he will serve you. Can I remind you? That the reason why we're waiting for him, the reason why our lamp is burning and our eyes are watching and our outfit is still prepared for our Lord to come back through the sky is because if he does not come back through the sky, I have no hope. 
If, Lord, if the Lord Jesus is not the Savior of sinners, then this sinner won't be saved. If the Lord Jesus did not die on the cross and shed His blood to wash us clean and to clean, cleanse our consciences, then we will never be right with God. If God has not come to die in our place, then we will never ever be right with God. It's our only hope. So him telling me to gird up my loins and to dress for action and to keep my lamp burning and be ready is meaning to keep my hope in him and to keep my faith ready in him knowing that I so need him. And verse 37 points this out. The Bible teaches us that Christ is coming a second time, Hebrews chapter 9, not to deal with sin. Sin will not be dealt with when Christ comes back. Your sins will not be sorted out and dealt with when Christ comes back. And every one of us in the room, listen to me, have sins. We are sinful people. And when Jesus comes back this next time, or if you die before that happens, he's not going to deal with your sins then. He's already done that. You are either going to trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross or you are condemned in your sins already. Listen to me, people. I am not here today to tell you that you will be condemned if you die in your sins. Jesus teaches us that you are already condemned in your sins right now today, January the 17th of 2016. You are not ready for Christ to come back through the sky and to rescue you if you are not trusting in Him right now. And I want you to hear that He's a Savior. He's a loving God and Savior. He is a God that so loved the world that He sent His Son to die for us. He is a God that demonstrates His love toward us that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. I loved it when 1 Peter 3 says that Christ died that he might bring us to God. He gives the picture of carrying us. That's the only hope. And if you know that, you get that, you believe that, if you want that, you desire that, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamp burning. Be ready. J.C. Ryle, speaking about this, says, Readiness for the return of Christ to this world implies nothing which is impossible and unattainable. It requires no perfection. It requires no man to forsake his family and retire into solitude. It requires nothing more than the life of repentance, faith, and holiness. The man who is living the life of faith in the Son of God is the man whose loins are girded, who is dressed for action, and who is whose light is burning. If he lives looking unto Jesus, he is a servant who can open to him immediately. Surely, it is not too much to ask Christians to be men of this kind. Surely, it was not for nothing that our Lord said, quote, The Son of Man comes at an hour when you do not think. The teaching of Jesus says for you to so trust and believe in Christ at this very moment that if he walks through that back door today, you are ready. I want to remind you how the Word of God ends. Revelation chapter 22, the very last page of your Bible. Think about somebody who commits themselves to reading the whole Bible 
They begin in Genesis, and they travel through 39 Old Testament books. It takes them forever to get finished. They have questions and questions and questions. They get to the New Testament. They hear about Christ as the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy and how Christ died on the cross, how he rose again, and how anybody who trusts in him will be forgiven of their sins and be filled with the Holy Spirit to be a witness unto him for the rest of their lives. And one asks, well, for how long and till what end? And then you get to the end of the Bible, and Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. And not, not only does he just say it, but he says it three times. And not only does he say it three times, but he says it at the very, very end. I'm coming soon. Be ready. That's how our Bible ends. J.C. Ryle goes on to say that if one cannot say from his heart, Come, Lord Jesus, I'm ready. There must be something wrong about his soul. I want to ask you today, is there something wrong with your soul? I want to ask you today, are you at peace with God? Are you right with Him? Are you ready for Him to return? Do you know yourself to be uh, guilty in your sins? But do you know Him to be one who loves those in their sins? Do you know Jesus as one who has done the work on the cross that you need? And do you believe God enough to know that God has made you right, given you peace, and washed you clean because of the work that Jesus did? Do you understand that the Father in heaven is pleased with His Son, Jesus, and therefore anyone who trusts in Him wholeheartedly is safe? Are you ready to meet God because of what Christ has done? When we sing that song, which we sang at the close of our service last Sunday, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Does your heart say, yes, what else might I build hope upon? Because there's nothing else to build hope upon. Look back to our passage. Verse 38 he, he, he cranks up the urgency here. Because he tells us that being ready doesn't happen at noonday. Verse 38, if he comes in the second watch of the night, or even the third watch of the night, and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. He gives an example of the time when most people would be sleeping, and so the master comes home and wants the door opened for him, but they're asleep, and so they miss it, and so the master's upset about it because they didn't do what was expected of them. They didn't do what was right. They weren't ready for him. But he says, those who stay awake ready, blessed are those servants. Verse 39, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming... He would not left his house to be broken into. If they announced on the news tonight that the, the criminals were heading up your street tonight and they were going to break in, they got really good tactics, and they're going to sneak right in the house and they're going to take all your stuff, you'd probably stay awake, obviously. This is the simple truth that Jesus is saying. Yet Jesus isn't talking about small, minor things like getting your house broken into. Jesus is talking about your soul and your eternity. Jesus is talking about you going to heaven or hell. And he says, 
don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on it. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't coast. Don't think you're okay. Get right now. And stay right. Don't let up. Don't let up. Heaven's just a little bit longer. It's close. It's really, really close. I had somebody just recently who's not dying ask me if I would do their funeral. And I thought, why are you thinking about that already? And they said, it ain't that far away. And I liked it. Not morbid. Live life to the fullest. I hope I got 80 years left. But you've got to be ready. Verse 39 says, If they had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. J.C. Ryle says, This is a parabolic sentence, obviously, intended to teach us that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And, listen, that there is no safety for Christians except in constant readiness for it. I had somebody this week tell me that up until the last two years, they have lived their whole life for Jesus. And I thought, but what about the last two years? And in my heart, I thought, you have no assurance at all of the first 34 years if the last two years have been abandoned to forsake Christ. What preacher have you been listening to and what word of God have you been reading to find safety in something from a while ago that contradicts who you are right now? There is no readiness apart from, I'm ready today. This past week, I watched two college students play some one-on-one basketball back here in the parking lot, and I, I just thought it was humorous watching them go at it. And the first one thought he was going to win, so he kept his coat on. And we said, you going to play in your coat? He said, I beat this guy with my coat on. After he lost, he took his coat off. I said, it's getting serious now, isn't it? you got to be ready. And there's not going to be an instance for Jesus to come back or for you to die and stand before God and say, well, give me a second, because I wasn't dressed for it. Or or I was still asleep, my alarm didn't go off. you got to be ready. you got to be awake. And, And the warning from the church and the warning from your pastor and the warning from the Word of God and from the words of Jesus is that you don't know when it will be. Listen, it may be that you've got 20 more years. That may be the case. But it also may be that you don't have 20 more days. The only safety that there is is for you to be holding on tight to Christ right now. Right now. Verse 40. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect the urgency with jesus is is through the roof 
This is him teaching. This past week I did a funeral for a family here in Fairdale that I did not know. And as I got there and started preparing the funeral with the family, it turns out that there were some grandchildren in the family that I knew that were about my age. And I had worked with the family a little bit before in the past couple years ago. And so I did a funeral for somebody that I, I didn't know. Those are, those are hard. And y'all always ask me, how do you do that? How do you do a funeral for somebody that you don't know? Well, I'll tell you how. You can talk about people very easily if you keep it shallow. I could do a funeral for the worst guy there's ever been and say, man, he's a nice guy. Lived for 80 years. Worked hard. Loved his Kentucky Wildcats. He's a good guy. There's a lot of those, aren't there? A lot of those. But listen here, church. And I mean this with my whole heart. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Over the next 10 to 20 years, there'll be more funerals. I'll be doing yours if you let me. Or actually not you let me if somebody else lets me for you. And I want to tell you here today with all sincerity. Let me say something deep. Listen, I'm going to be able to say something nice about you. For every single person in the room, even the ones that I've never met before, we'll have a nice funeral for you and keep it shallow, I promise. He's always good to me, hug me on his way out. I like that guy. Am I going to be able to say that your heart was right with God? I've done a hundred funerals where I couldn't speak to whether they knew God or not. I've done a hundred funerals where they told me, let's not talk about anything religious. What about you? You come to church on Sunday. I'm your pastor. You should walk with God. And when it comes time for us to lay you to rest and lay your body down, can we say that they hoped in Christ? And can we rejoice that by all accounts we think you're in heaven? Can we say she was ready for this? Will your church be able to say he was ready? He was ready for this. And there's no doubt in my mind he is before the Lord Jesus right now. As I've said, we'll have a good service for you. And if I have to keep it shallow, I will. But as Christian people that believe the word of God and who are hearing the urgency today, would you please get right with God? And so make it clear to all that you're ready for Christ. Would you make a belief in the second coming very real to you? Do you have a conviction about it? That you are living your life both in the way you spend your money, treat your kids, prioritize your priorities, that Christ could come back tomorrow. Are you ready? And Ryle already said it, but I want to say it one more time.
What does it mean to get ready? The Bible teaches us that salvation is by grace through faith. That being saved and going to heaven is a gift of God that he gives. But here's what the gift looks like. When God works that in you, he brings a conviction to your heart that says, I'm not right. I've messed up. I've done wrong things. I've sinned against God. But your heart doesn't lead you to depression and beat yourself down. You start asking then, what's the answer? What's the hope? And then you hear that Christ is God and he came and lived and died and was buried and rose again victorious. Proving to us that three strong things, sin, the the devil, and death. Those are three of the worst things. Sin, death, and devil. That those cannot stop God and his plan. And Christ rose victorious. And in your sins, in your conviction of sins, you say, I believe that. And I believe that he did that for me. And the Bible says that when you put your trust in Christ and therefore repent from your sins, you turn your back on the ways of the world, you turn your back on sin, death, and the devil, you turn your back on disobedience, you turn your back against sin, and you put your eyes toward Jesus. The Bible says that when you believe in that way, God saves you. God makes you new, fills you with the Holy Spirit, and makes you a child of God. He passes you from death to life. He makes you a Christian. If you're here today and you're thinking, well, I'm not ready, or I don't know if I'm ready, I ask you to believe in Christ. To turn from your sins and put your faith, a resting, trusting faith, in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the urgency of Christ in Luke chapter 12. God, I ask that you would make us dressed for action with our loins girded, with our lamps burning, ready, ready, ready. We will not be caught off guard by the second coming of Jesus. We will not be caught off guard by one day standing before him and giving an account, and we will not think that we can make an excuse, but we will hold high the finished work of Jesus, our Savior. Father, we ask that you move that in our hearts now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.